someone said that they can't play Mario Kart the same anymore, and then I sat there thinking about the way that Toad looks when he's, you know, how in Mario Kart they kind of wiggle when they're turning their carts left <laughs> and right. And I was like, yeah, you're right. This is completely screwed up now. What the fuck's going on down there? What if Fraggle Rock is a show that the people of Fraggle Rock all put on that is televised in the world of the Muppets, but then when they go to the Muppet Family Christmas, they're actually just normal-sized, normal Muppets who are, you know, famous locally for their local television series. I think it makes sense. Yeah, except for Robin doesn't recognize him. (laughs) Well, Robin doesn't get out much, in my opinion. Robin always seems like a real... Like a scrappy do, a real minya, um, you know, like a Whoa. <laughs> shots fired with the scrappy do reference or comparison. Well, not, with, not with the minya. I'm not sure what minya is. That's uh, Godzilla's son, minya. Oh, the useless little like rubber thing that that gets beaten up and kidnapped by other monsters. Well, he blows radioactive smoke rings. Yeah, uselessly. <laughs> like I think Scrappy Doo, at least if you if we go with whole canon, Scrappy Doo at least eventually became quite a nefarious villain. Uh Minya never did any I think Minya's whole thing is he got killed and that made Godzilla get super mad. Uh in the in like the Destroyer movie or whatever. Uh I'm gonna get a whole lot of people in the thread correcting me on all this stuff I'm half remembering. But welcome to the show, Seth oh. Buzzard. It's WTF at TFW episode five two nine. Hi. We're Recording on the nine one eight with this five two nine. How you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm. Uh, I always feel better when I'm uh, doing this recording thing, even if my day's not been all that great. Is what I'm gonna say. Oh, okay. Uh, I had a good toy show on Sunday, but nice. I didn't sleep much on the Saturday night, Sunday morning, and uh, this just cascaded into just 48 hours of being creatively and practically useless, and it, I'm, I'm trying to not feel too bad about it. Well, so glad you do that. My, yeah. my, uh, my only convention of the year is this coming weekend, the Santa Rosa Toy Con that we talked about last time. Ooh. The convention era never ends. Yeah, there, there's always a it. table there. Well, not always. There has been for the last couple of years. Um, is this local guy and his crew, and they make fantastic prop replica things, including lots of Warhammer stuff, like bolters and Space Marine helmets and chain swords. And uh, it really bums me out whenever uh, I see them at one of these things. Uh, because they don't sell anything except for a book um, of other stuff they made. <laughs> and, and I always see like it. the chain swords <laughs> and the bolters and stuff. And I go, damn, I want to buy one of those. I got to imagine they do commission work or something at least. Or like, well, last like, time I- somebody was asking them about selling stuff and they were saying, well, we don't really sell anything uh, because we don't want to get into it with like, copyrights and and whatnot he goes except for we'll occasionally make and sell halo related stuff because microsoft has been really cool about it and i mean i i I could see at least the the previous version of games workshop being litigious enough to come after people selling prop replicas 
But my, my understanding is that Games Workshop is even on a top level in a very new era right now. Um, that said, I think you just walk up to them and say, like, hey, listen, under the table, how much you want for that chainsword? Yeah, give me that chainsword. And then, like, the whole time my girlfriend's trying to pull me away. Because every time I talk <laughs> about wanting one of them chainswords, she's like, what, what are you going to do with it? Where are you going to put it? I'm like, I'm going to hang gonna, You're going to go fight the Xeno threat. I'm going to hang it on, on the wall. On behalf of the say. god emperor of mankind. You Sam's going to hang it on the wall. Yeah. So everyone can see my sick ass chainsword. Something it's I found really comforting. ribbon on it. About, about getting back into some of this 40k stuff with, with my interest in Kill Team is the sheer number, like a lot of people still don't get it, but there are a lot of people now who enjoy this stuff while also fully understanding uh, that like everyone in the 40k world is terrible. Oh yeah. Because uh, like, <laughs> there are some people who, who, it turns out, there are some people who very much go like, no, no, uh, the, the Imperium is good. We should be more like the Imperium. No, it's like, no, they're not. No, don't I be mean, more like the Imperium. You could argue that they were, and then the Emperor got stuck on the Golden Throne, and now they're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> they're uh, real bad now. <laughs> like, um, if anything, I think, like, what is it? They, they just had a new thing come out with Rogue Traders, and I didn't know what Rogue Traders were except for an old word from back before I got into it as a kid. That's the original and, book. Yeah, so apparently, canonically, Rogue Traders are like pirates who quietly under the table get given, like, exemptions and clearances to do whatever they want for the sake of like you know roguely trading things uh it's one of those things i always like where it's it's like here's a little hint of how the imperium does actually have to you know interact with the galaxy uh while maintaining that they're going to burn everything in the galaxy that is not wonderful and human uh but that's 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 for off topic what we got this week so i didn't get rogue trader it's expensive yeah, there's, um, I want to ask you questions about Kill Team later. I we might even happen in this recording, uh, seeing how things look when we get to what we got this week. All right. Uh, but before we get there, we got a listener question to open things up from Spine ninety eight. Uh, he says, "Hello, podcast crew. I hope yeah. everyone's doing well. I had a couple questions I wanted to ask. First off, did any of you guys watch the Power of the Primes cartoon? I feel <sighs> like it never was mentioned. Unless I missed it, maybe we don't need to talk about it. Uh, I can guarantee you I intend to finish. I've watched two episodes. I intend to finish watching it. Uh, it just might take me a while because uh, I got to the part where the Dinobots actually combined in animation and that got me really hype. And then I watched the episode after and I got really bored. Uh, so I need to work myself up again to get through the rest of the final Machinima um, Transformers cartoon because it is better than the last two, it seems, but also still really bad. Um, there's a, I, I don't know if I went through this on the podcast. Seth, have you ever seen the movie Big Man Japan? Or, yeah. Or we, no, we talked about it like a month ago or something. It came okay. up. We didn't yeah, talk a we, lot about it, but it came up. Yeah, there's, up. there's a bit where like a bunch two of things ago. die like the monsters in Big Man Japan but they're trying to play it like super serious and I just couldn't take it. And I was like, I have to stop. <laughs> you guys have no idea how stupid this looks. Uh, so I want to, I want to record something about the, the machinima cartoons. Once I finish. Yeah. You'll have um, to do it with somebody else. Yeah. I don't want to pressure anyone <laughs> to watch into watching them. If they haven't, I am assuming uh, TJ and Aaron either at least like, I think that they both at least looked at it because they're kind of gluttons for punishment. Like I am. But uh, we'll figure something out. But yeah, it's not that it's not that you missed it. We we have actually not mentioned it very selfishly because I haven't watched all of it yet. Uh, I only recently finished Titans Return. Um, I I liked I liked Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill's pretty. Mark Hamill's always great when he's doing voicing. 
uh, and they just he just sounds like really evil old Joker. Um, and it, I think it works because he's a he's just a naturally talented voice actor. Uh, second question though, moving on, evil uh, old Joker or regular Luke Skywalker? Because they ruined Luke Skywalker. Oh my god! Oh, it's somewhere in between because it's like Luke <laughs> but with a touch of Joker hiss. Uh, I really like Mark Hamill's voicing, yeah, even though you can kind of like. You can slot a lot of his voices into this sort of triangular diagram between Brainy Smurf, Luke Skywalker, and the Joker. Um, I still really like his voice acting. Uh, Spine98's other question is, uh, quote, Part of me feels like the power of the Prime's toy line was cut short when compared to Combiner Wars and Titans Return. Am I the only one who feels this way? Do you think the upcoming War for Cybertron Siege line could be cut short as well? Or do you think Hasbro might have more of a commitment with the first part of this new trilogy? Thanks in advance for your answers. Spine98. Uh, I think everyone feels like power of the primes was cut short given that wave four's deluxe line is basically nova star um and i don't think siege is in danger of being cut short because i think power of the primes got cut short in order for them to move more confidently into another generation's trilogy i think that this past this first generation's trilogy that they've done i think kind of came together as a trilogy after it had already started, and I think the power of the primes maybe got cut short so they could, like I said, like have a bigger, more solid, this is going to be three things baseline going into Siege. Uh, that's that's my feeling anyway. Yeah, it also, by my local observations, where I have not seen Wave 3 in any regularity, let alone 4, um, but the those movie figures are all over the place. The studio series. Yeah, studio series has like circumvented the whole thing. It it never felt like it got good distribution to begin with, and then studio series is just choking it out. Yeah, and leaving out aesthetic preferences, studio series is a lot more impressive a toy line than Power of the Primes, in my opinion. Uh, I like Power of the Primes a lot because I still like Combiner Deluxes and I still want them to make everyone into a Combiner limb. I don't care what the rest of you say. I want to ruin Transformers for y'all. But I think that Power of the Primes is a completely aimless line after two very solidly, you know, targeted lines. Um, and then Studio yeah. Series is, is doing everything we like about Generations as a concept uh, a little bit better. Yeah, it's almost like they didn't have a solid third idea. And Power yeah. of the Primes is just like, here's some more combiners and also things that are basically headmasters, but they're not headmasters. Stick them somewhere else. That, that's um, why I say, like, this Prime Wars trilogy to me, it feels like the trilogy part was kind of come up with while they were making Titans Return. Like, it feels like Combiner Wars and what was Titan Wars were two very solid kind of companion lines. And I feel like Power of the Primes was... um just it's leftovers from those two lines really it's that's it you know <laughs> and yeah. the prime masters still are nothing they're nothing they're 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 uh i mean they're, they're they're a thing it is stated clearly what they are but as far as delivery to me they're they're kind of a nothing you know yeah like <laughs> like i'm still waiting to get sludge um i i pre-ordered it on big bad um there's going to be like another round of it coming i guess um if i find it in a store beforehand then i'll just get it uh otherwise like that's kind of the last well that nocto punch those are like the last two that i care about to find yeah 
I just need Octo Punch, uh, Nemesis Rodimus, and uh, and Nova Star. I think. Oh, and normal Optimal Optimus if I find him. Because uh, I, I found the other two guys from that wave, except for Octo Punch. I found Bomb Burst and Bludgeon, but no Octo Punch. Oh, Bomb Burst too. Yeah, I only found Bludgeon. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> bomb. You know what's weird is I saw Bomb Burst, and at a glance, I thought I had him already because for some reason. He just disappears on the shelf. Like <laughs> I see him and I see Skullgrin and I see uh Submarauder and I just assume, oh yeah, I already had Bomb Burst. It's like, no, Bomb Burst was wave three. <laughs> These things are just so forgettable that it's easy hey, to think that you already got him. Bomb uh, Burst is forgettable. Don't blame the whole subline on one nobody. I'm not, but also all day, man, fire trucks have been driving around and stopping, and I can't tell what they're stopping for. I feel like People are just pulling fire alarms out here. Is it a red light? Also are they red obeying light. traffic laws? Also, do you even have fire... traffic laws in Canada? We do. I actually, I, I got a police. I saw a police guy hand directing traffic uh, when I went to Hamilton on Friday, and it. I forgot people do that, and it was kind of cool. Uh, he was like telling, he was like looking at cars and pointing at them with two fingers at the driver, going like, "Hey, you, go this way." Uh. I don't know if I mentioned it on here. I think I did, but um, there. Aside from the fact that I'm I'm near a major uh, way into like the highway or like the eastern part of town, there's also a firehouse down the road from me, uh, which is another reason why we often hear noise, uh, no matter what we do. But uh, Spine ninety eight. Hopefully that answers your question. Um, I think Siege is going to be fine. I mean, as far as distribution and as far as not feeling like it got cut off, specifically, I guess. Not distribution, we'll see. But as far as feeling cut off, I think that's confined to Power of the Primes uh, for the next couple years. Um, you know, at least it cut short. The sh- Maybe something else will feel cut short. Power of the Primes felt like it got cut short, like, while Wave 2 was, you know, having plastic injected <laughs> in the molds. <laughs> yeah. It uh, just... Around here, it just feels like it never started, really. Yeah. Like, it and, never and, got going. It and in Canada, sort of like, it's shown along. up at Walmarts and Toys R Us's, but a lot of it has only really shown up at Walmarts so far. Uh, this It's just been really weird. And, you know, describe Power of the Primes to me without saying that Abominus is in it. And you kind of run into, well, then you say the Dinobots are in it. <laughs> That's about it. Anyway. Speaking of movie toys, Seth, we got a big reveal uh, in the oh, last week or yeah. so. Uh, someone got, put up a video review that got taken down, apparently. Oh, uh, so there's still images of the toy that I, I just linked it in the second link in this for reference. The main story is the official reveal was done through a stop motion animation uh, for Masterpiece Movie Number 7, Movie Bumblebee from Bumblebee the Movie, not Movie Bumblebee from Not Bumblebee the Movie. Uh, so this is the VW Beetle <laughs> movie Bumblebee uh, in the movie masterpiece line. The studio series version actually has been hitting targets in the States. So I've seen a bunch of friends of mine already getting it. And it looks like a good toy. Uh, the movie masterpiece version is bigger, has like a weathered paint job, has actually a lot of apparently similar transformation steps to the studio series, which is unsurprising because I feel like studio series and movie masterpiece are very like they are very sibling lines to movie masterpieces detriment. Uh, to be honest, because Studio Series is doing a lot of what that is doing, but a lot less more or a lot less expensively. Um, but the stop motion animation was really good. Uh, and apparently the commercial was from uh, director Travis Knight's studio. 
which specializes in stop motion animation. The thing to note about the animation is they also kind of cheat a little bit because there's three there's three accessories that swap on, which is like an alternate faceplate and two weapons you can like just sort of bolt onto the arms. Uh, Because this is a fancy stop motion studio, they kind of went balls crazy and had those things animate out onto Bumblebee in a way that looks really cool, but also it might deceive you if you thought that the toy did that uh which i, I don't believe it does yeah it would also um, deceive you if you weren't watching closely because it does look not like the actual parts as yeah. it's happening <laughs> especially the close-up of the faceplate the close-up of the faceplate very much looks like layered bits yeah like layered in post Bits. I could just see someone who like hasn't been buying a ton of Transformers just assuming that's because it's a masterpiece toy. They're like, oh, I guess there's a bajillion little hinges in that thing. Well, the uh, first thing you see is the the huge ass arm cannon, and like yeah. as that was happening, I thought, oh, really? Oh no, that's way too big. That's yeah, we're not that how from? that works at all. <laughs> like, there's no way that's that has to be a, a an attachment piece. Yeah. Um. But we also got to see some of the figure's articulation, got to see a, you know, a fairly cute little dance sequence. Um, and I, I think that toy actually looks... I'd seen still images of the, of the movie Masterpiece toy over the weekend. And my immediate bummer was, like, clearly this was based on an older version of the design that looked a lot more like the Bay movie Bumblebee with all the door wings, which are very much not as visible on the current version of the movie uh, design. But... If you kind of ignore the door wings and just play them off like the kibble that they are, the rest of them looks a lot like that movie design to me, uh, or at least a lot more kind of chubby and bubbly um, than than some of the still images looked, um, more so than I think the Studio Series figure looks. So I'm uh, I'm kind of into this. Um, he's, he's he looks like he's got a solid transformation. Uh, I like the. Or I'm surprised by the amount of non parts cheating uh, on the chest. Um, at least I think there was non-parts cheating, unless the video confused me uh, and the hood went somewhere else. Maybe it did. Now that well, I'm looking I at it, I think the hood is on his back. Like I'm, I have yeah. it playing on mute right now, and and so I think that chunk of yellow straight down the middle is a cheaty part. It is. I'm looking at it now. It's too yeah. flat. And the yeah. fenders with the headlights are the actual fenders. I'm into the fenders still being up there, and I, and I like the missile yeah. boobs. I think that's 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 a fun weapony thing. Yeah, um, and besides the door wings, like there's details in the feet, like there's a big like kind of pissony looking thing sticking up out of diagonal out of his feet. Um, yeah, that is very Michael Bay era design, and then the head is obviously just the bumblebee head. Um, yeah, but I think it's an improvement on those. Like there's vestiges of the Michael Bay designs, but in general, I. I think this design is far beyond what we got in the micro bay movies i mean even with this design being like you know not quite what's in the movie and closer to that design if, if you look at that second link i had one of the still images is a side by side of the now two movie masterpiece movie bumblebees so like the camaro one and then this one and uh there is just like a little bit more body shape going on in this one there's a little more obviously solidity like less of the leg mass is dark greebly stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, if you ignore the backpack, basically, to me that is very much what I've been seeing in the trailers as a toy. You know, not perfect, but I see the shapes. Uh-huh. Uh, 
It's 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 so fresh feeling to me. I don't know. I, I'm really into it. I'm uh, I'm more excited for the movie masterpiece version now than I was before because the studio series already looks very good, and I'm 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 weighing on that line already. But yeah, it's um, like there's more large unbroken pieces of color and more smooth mm-hmm. areas, which and, I think works way better than the pile of knives. And it's not even pieces of car. It's like like the legs. It's like those aren't like giant chunks of the car that are yeah. big unbroken pieces. It's just and his forearms. Yeah, and his forearms too. It's just nice large shapes. Yeah, uh, that are that are appealing. <laughs> uh, you know, they look they look candy like. You wanna you wanna rub your hand on them, see how smooth they are. <laughs> At least I do. I don't, know about, I don't know about you weirdos, but I know what I want to do. Like a normal, like yeah, a normal uh, person. Did you just call me a Gonzo? Maybe. Uh-huh. How do you feel about chickens? Um, it's complicated. Pervert! Uh, Seth, are you feeling interested enough, or at least into enough, this, this you know, VW movie Bumblebee design to be considering either of the toys? Uh, I would more likely get, um, like a deluxe size than a masterpiece priced, um, <laughs> uh, movie Bumblebee. Uh, just because it's not going to go with my other masterpieces um but i do like this design in general i linked you to the side by side of the masterpiece in the studio series and like you you can see what i I mean for a second because i heard this all sound and then a thing popped up and i was like oh no i've been disconnected oh (laughs) (laughs) like like take a look at the side by side of those two and you can see what i mean about studio series kind of taking masterpieces lunch here because Obviously, the movie masterpiece is more elaborate and more impressive in a number of ways, but the studio series deluxes and Voyagers, you know, the deluxes, sometimes they miss, but but when they hit, it's like, you're getting a lot of what you're getting out of the masterpiece in that deluxe yeah. scale studio no, they, series one. Yeah, the, the paint is really nice on the deluxe. Like, they refer to it as weathering. It seems more like... Or a, on the masterpiece. On the yeah, master, you mean, it, yeah, it seems more like a, a, just like a gradiated shading. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it does give the impression of the paint being sort of sun worn or something. But yeah. uh, it, it the I think the shading looks better on the robot mode than it does on the car mode. It's like a little too hard on the car mode. But in the for the robot mode, it just sort of adds dimension to it. Yeah. Um, where the studio series figure is very flat. Mm-hmm. Um. So now I'm rethinking it. <laughs> now, now seeing them side by side like this, to, I think the the masterpiece looks so much better. But it it does. It's just like, and even with Studio Series being the current, you know, elevated from what we all like to remember, the deluxe price point being, um, and Studio Series also like having small robot modes, um, kind of across the board, um. It's like it's still a quarter of the price of like, uh, you know, on, I'm yeah. kind of guessing here, but it's a it's roughly a third to a quarter of the price. And it's like, I think it's worth I, I'm going to pick up both because I think they both look great. But if someone's trying to make decisions, it's kind of like Studio Series is really offering more bang for your buck. Uh, if you just need a, a transforming little toy, you know, that looks like what you what you want to pick up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it's really cool to see all this stuff coming together. And it's. It's also really cool to see, like, nice toys of this new live-action, you know, transitional era, basically. Uh, 
I'm I'm very much looking forward to that movie. I, I if if that stop motion commercial uh is is any gauge, you know, any any deeper gauge of the I guess like tone and kind of spirit of uh, how the film's going to be delivered, I'm uh looking forward to it. Seems like it's going to be fun. I wouldn't say I'm very much looking forward to it, but I don't have a sense of dread. <laughs> I think that the lack of a sense of dread is why I'm looking forward to it because it's so novel. You know, <laughs> it's like a fresh thing. Um, I'm not going to a live action Transformers movie trying to like almost preemptively think about like, man, I wonder how uh, if I bump into people I know how I can explain to them uh, that I know what I'm getting into so that they don't try to tell me that these movies are bad because it's like I, I'm aware. Um but I, I you know, toy wise, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the studio series drop in general for for the Bumblebee movie. Yeah. Um, well, it's like when the last movie was coming out, my girlfriend's like, "So you're gonna want to go see that, right?" And I went, "No, but I have to." <laughs> it's like I don't want to bring people along if they don't want to come job. along to see it. Yeah, it's like I I would I mean I genuinely like seeing those movies as a like deeply rooted super hardcore lifelong fan of the entire concept, uh, but it doesn't mean I want to drag people along and then like make them you know tell me what they thought about it and then start arguing with them or something you know <laughs> can be it can be my own little experience. Uh, anyway, if you haven't if you hadn't seen any of that stuff, I'm sure you've all looked at all those videos and photos of movie Bumblebee, but I wanted to talk about it a bit. Um, because it's uh, it's it's one of the I think it's going to be kind of the story of of toy hype for the next couple months. It's mostly going to be like, what's up with the movie Bumblebee movie movie of movie Bumblebee the prequel? Um, unless Siege pops up like really early, but I'm sort of doubting it. Uh, either way, we'll see. Seth, we've got a couple more listener questions. Well, on now the- I just the- wish that it was titled Movie Bumblebee Movie the Prequel. Movie Bumblebee Movie the Prequel the Movie. Yeah. As opposed to the prequel to comic. Well, then the prequel the game is is like when they did Street Fighter the movie the game. Yeah. Good <laughs> good good solid game. Solid game. Wasn't a solid game. Well, it didn't have um um oh, which character was it that wasn't in it? Uh um, Sawada. Oh, T-Hawk. Oh, T-Hawk. Right. Yeah, because the uh in the contracts for all the actors uh, they had to be available to to do the digitization for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Raul Julia got out of it for obvious reasons. They used a stunt double. Um, but the guy who played T-Hawk just bounced. He was just like, <laughs> I'm not answering my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I got the check, and then I got out of town. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have sent me the check until <laughs> I'd come in for the digitization. Yeah, so he's uh, the one character left out of the game. <laughs> I was going to say that actually um movie Bumblebee uh the prequel the movie Bumblebee the movie prequel movie the prequel to the prequel movie the comic book um the movie prequel comic book that's out right now it's a four issue miniseries. Uh, a lot of people I think have kind of been passing by it because there's bigger, louder, more more um cataclysmic things going on in the IDW comic books uh proper with the end of the continuity coming up. But that Bumblebee movie prequel book that takes place in the uh, 60s or 70s, I think it's the 60s, is really fun. And I super am recommending it to people. Uh, it's it's John Barber. It's Andrew Griffith. It's, uh, it's British spies working with American uh, agent Bumblebee um, 
there's all the movie Decepticons in it are the Stunticons and then like a lady called Diabla who was apparently a double agent who betrayed the Autobots. It's really fun. There's a Seth. There's yes. a whole bit in it. Um, because the movie Stunticons. Obviously, you like the Stunticons. I, I know do, you like the Stunticons. Obviously, movie dead end in this comic book is amazing. His debut is that some other foreign agents are realizing that there's some kind of like worldwide plot trying to pit all the major world powers against each other. And so, like, we're going to escape in our tiny little uh, red car. Oh, you mean the Bilderbergs? Yes. Uh, So in order to to escape and get to the bottom of the Bilderberg, whatever, these foreign agents are like, we're going to get in our little car and we're going to go tell our foreign agency uh, that uh, the British and Americans are not responsible. It's those alien robots we keep hearing about. Then their car transforms with them inside and it's Dead End. Oh, uh, no. And he's like, squish! And then the best part is Dead End has this this amazing entry, but also all his dialogue is him trying to work his name into his dialogue. Uh, he's like, they just reached a Dead End! And then all the spy characters are like, that's horrible. Bumblebee, that's horrible. Is that what you're all like? This guy keeps, like, saying his name. And then, like, I don't know. The, the Where the movies have this very dark, edgy nature to them, this book gives the edgy violence to them, but also makes them just corny enough that they're sort of fun. And they also are, they're, they're having encounters with Bumblebee where they don't get summarily decapitated at the end of the encounter. They're all, like, you know, surviving. Wow. Um They're, you know, they're interacting. Uh, the, the, the robots are actually characters. Anyway, it's a really fun book. Dead End is great. <laughs> uh, and the, there was a reveal at the end of issue three, which is just friggin' right out of a James Bond book, but with Transformers, and I'm loving it. It's like the first issue after an opening action sequence moves into like a two or three page just action montage of panels with a Bumblebee themed James Bond opening song, you know, lyrics being played over top. of it. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, I super recommend it. Seth, you should read it too. It's full of stunticons. I know you like stunticons. Obviously. Um, Seth, we also got a question here from Inhuman Elm. Uh, Jeepers. This one says, Hey, Chris and Seth, quote, hashtag the swagman420, end quote, buzzard. Uh, Thank you for respecting Seth's brand. It's XXX swagman42969. I thought you shortened it for the hashtag, <laughs> but that's your full username on, yeah. on the XBL and on MySpace. Yes. Okay. I play a lot of Call of Duty. Yeah. I scream uh, bad words into my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you win. <laughs> it's true. Uh, in Human Elm says, the other weekend I loosened the ratchets on my MP08 Grimlock and sent a spring flying into one of the many boxes I had lying around my room at the time. Uncertain if it landed on the bed, the boxes, on the shelf full of figures, or under a shelf full of figures, it took me a full eight hours to find the damn spring. My question is this. When, if ever, has a modification or customization product that sh- or project that should have taken a few minutes spiraled into a whole day ordeal, or at least taken a lot longer than it probably should have? Thanks so much, and keep on keeping on. Now, was this eight hours of interrupt- uninterrupted searching... Or was it sort of looking around over the course of eight hours? Or was it eight hours of searching broken up over several days? I um, need to know. So I got my my assumption is it was broken up over several days. However, speaking from experience, it also could have been one hour of searching, then 
three hours of being really depressed that you just lost the spring and your your simple project just turned into a hassle and now you have a you know broken masterpiece toy two hours of really angry searching one hour of screaming at the ceiling and uh, and yelling at god uh and satan and and buddha and everything that you can think of and then um five minutes of stepping on a thing you go ow my foot oh it's a spring and then you feel really silly because this whole thing happened uh all by you you're by yourself in a small space and you just went through the entire gamut of human emotions over a spring that shot out of a toy um so it's probably that or that you know it's that or over the course of a couple hours this has happened to me many times uh i'm dramatizing a little bit about my reaction to it but it's always really irritating sometimes extremely depressing uh I think the worst is when I had to replace the ratchets in Unique Toys' hunger for their Abominus combiner, and it was a multi-month ordeal of trying to get replacement ratchets, and then after many months getting them, and then finding out that the screws that were holding the whole assembly together had stripped their screw holes well before I got any of this underway, a few more months of ignoring the toy, and then just using industrial strength glues in place of the screws, it eventually worked. But I, I, it's like I can never talk about Unique Toys Orden anymore, because I, I can't think about that figure without thinking about all that garbage I went through with that stupid Siegfried hunger toy. Uh... It's not a bad toy. The cutthroat for that that um, group is terrible, though. It's a Hagen is a is a phoned in um, arm of a toy. Uh, Seth, have you ever gone through this? Not necessarily modifications, but just like you know this this kind of situation. This should have been simple. This should have been ten minutes. A hobby now project. Now it's a day and a half later. Yeah, and I'm still um, not solving the problem. Yes, and general rule of thumb: everything takes longer than you Unless think it's going to take. Unless I lost you. Oh, am I lost? Well, it says 46 I can hear you. On my thing. I can hear you. I suspect you. I've lost you, though. Oh, well, I'm st- I hear you. Oh, there you are. Yeah, I heard you the whole time. Yeah, I just, I just started hearing you now. Okay. That's weird. So, as I was saying, um, a general rule of thumb in all hobby things and, you know, most work seems to be that everything is going to take longer than you think it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you get involved in any project, you expect it to take a long time. Now, if something bad happens, like a spring goes shooting off into the void, that's uh, that's not on you. That That's a act of God. That's something, something happened. Um, but yeah, like I'm painting some miniatures right now. And the other night I thought, okay, uh, I don't have a lot of time before I need to go to bed. I got like an hour, hour and a half. I'm, I'll, you know what? I got plenty of time to paint uh, a black undercoat for all the armor pieces. Uh, that hour and a half later, I had only done three of the seven. I got nothing done. <laughs> it feels like, and it's like, how did this take so long? These things are tiny. Um, have you ever had a miniature paint job? like you know maybe not this is this very specific case i'm thinking of that happened to me when i was a kid but like where you everything was fine and then you tried to tweak it and then in trying to fix the tweak that didn't work you spent hours slowly ruining the figure like like more and more in my case it was trying to paint eyeballs on a helmetless space marine uh-huh. um i shouldn't have even painted them in he was squinting but i thought i'd paint them in 
and it went bad and I tried to fix them and it got worse. And eventually you couldn't even see the sculpted area on his eyes anymore. It was just a big flat patch of like eight layers of paint because I kept trying to correct it and it kept going wrong. And I got so mad. I was like 13 at the time, but I got so mad. Uh, uh, I guess I'm just a better painter. I haven't had a situation like that. I guess I'm just better. You probably um, are better than 13 year old <laughs> Chris, uh, at, at painting. I'm not going to, not going to lie. <laughs> um, no, I haven't had anything go that catastrophically bad, uh, painting before, but <laughs> yeah, there's been like, Oh, I'm going to do this. Ah, I screwed that up. Great. Now I can't fix it because I just put a big slash of white paint over this piece of armor that is like four layers of dry brushing and a wash. So I can't oh, just man. paint over it because then I'll just have like a bright metallic streak instead. <laughs> That's where you have to figure out, okay, it's a white streak. What color can I make it so it looks like a blood splatter? It looks like mud. It looks like wear and tear. Maybe he fought aliens made of milk, and that's just what it is, is a bunch of milk alien blood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, in Human Elk, I have been there, and I know how you feel. And it's it's not just you. And it's not your fault. Uh, and that, you know, it's, it's happened already. This is not going to solve anything at this point. But yeah. and there has <laughs> been countless number of times where I've had a similar situation where a piece pops off and who knows where that landed. And mm-hmm. then spent incredible amounts of time searching where I last or like where I heard it hit the floor only to find it like several feet away because it took a crazy bounce or rolled or the something. Way, the way things bounce, sometimes it's so hard to sit there going like, yeah, it's just physics. Because you're like, how did I hear it land an inch away from my right foot and I see it lying in the hallway on the other side of the open door yeah. across the room? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I heard it land there, but it's not there. And it could have gone in any direction from here. And it's like you wanted, I don't know, not you, but like the way my my head works, which is a very bad way to work with this stuff because it's completely irrational. But like like when I'm by myself, I'm a lot quicker to anger irrationally with inanimate objects. Uh, So I see that happen and and I look at whatever, you know, the spring, for instance, and I just go like, you little bastard. You trying to start something? You stupid little spring. You want to start? You trying to wreck my... You want to start something? And I'm like getting so mad at this spring as though it did it on purpose uh, in the moment. Um, this is where I want to open it up to the listeners. Have your if neighbors you want to share, called the police from your crazy yelling? <laughs> they, well, no, and that's how I'm pretty sure that my apartment soundproofing is pretty good. Uh, either that or what I always say. It's not really a joke. Either my soundproofing is really good or every neighbor I've ever had in here is terrified of me. I'm not sure which it is. Um, but I want to open this up to listeners um, because I've been so generous telling you about how weird I am. Uh, please share in the replies to the thread uh, your own embarrassing moments of irrational anger or failure uh, in, in the face of inanimate objects bouncing on the floor. I'd like to hear more of these. I think it's cathartic to get them out there. You know, make us all realize that it happens to everybody. Um, except for Seth. He's too good at this stuff. Uh, he's always got a white towel down and he's doing his 
rebuild work always catches the springs per he lays his screws out nicely on strips of masking tape yeah take uh, photos of every step yep always thins his paints uses a wet palette yeah use a wet palette yeah i'm i made it myself <laughs> and that it took, i bought a, a tupperware and put some paper towel and parchment paper in it yeah made it yourself took you five minutes it's bespoke no it took eight hours <laughs> yeah because guess what i dropped the paper towel <laughs> uh anyway thank you for the question in human elm uh seth we got one more question for this episode uh, this Ooh. comes from uh, the Silver League, a local fella that I uh, meet up with at several conventions in the area, the SLN official on Twitter. He says, greetings to whomever may be on the podcast for whatever episode this is in. I've got a simple but potentially layered question for you guys, which I hope will make for fun discussion. Ahem. Uh, I also picked this one because I actually know the answer to this and I want to show off. Oh, uh, oh. Quote, for many years, Transformers have been packaged in their alt modes, with only the occasional figure, namely leader-class toys, being packaged in their robot modes. But it wasn't until the generations themed around IDW that we saw the line as a whole shift almost entirely to packaging figures in robot mode. So my question for you is, which mode do you prefer Transformers to be packaged in? And do you think there's a particular reason why the shift happened? Or if we do have an official reason, that'd be great to know, too. Speaking personally, I imagine back in G1, this is partly because the vehicle mode simply looked better on the shelf at the store with package artwork able to make the robot look better than it might have actually been and so as time went on and engineering improved it became easier to more confidently display robot modes especially years down the road where people are more likely to remember the character as opposed to what they turn into so to quickly answer the official reason why as i believe it was confirmed through the course of hasbro panels and whatnot you're basically on the right track people recognize the robots better um, the robots thus were decided to look better on the shelf as far as selling the toys because a kid would look at the shelf and see Bumblebee and not see a yellow car with a picture of Bumblebee next to it. Possibly this also better coincided with them, you know, doing licensed work with uh, those diecast car companies that release just, you know, cars that are the Transformer car modes from movies. Um, and that, that's that's kind of generally the reason. It was to to make it clear that they're selling a robot action figure toy line first and foremost that happened to transform into things. Um, all that said, though, Seth, what do you prefer seeing Transformers packaged as? Uh, well, yeah, I, I agree with, I mean, well, you said what Hasbro said, but, I mean, this yeah. dude figured it out on his own, and it was <laughs> solid logic. Um, I what agree I with prefer, what Hasbro said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in general, um, I don't think I have a preference, uh, except for, I think if it's like a licensed vehicle, I think that looks cooler, mm-hmm. um, in vehicle mode. Um, because it's like, oh, because then you're, then you recognize the car. Um, if, if it's just like a lot of the modern toys where it's like, well, that's clearly a car, but it's not a real car but it's kind of looks like a car um that's gonna i think be less attractive than if it's clearly a camaro yeah um and then when you do it like that then you might have a chance of catching like one of the hot wheel collectors or something um 
as they're on the way by go, Ooh, I like this car. Um, and I like cars. Yeah. Uh, so in, in general, I don't have like that big of a preference, but I think the vehicle mode is cool in those circumstances. So I, I do have a preference. I actually always Ooh. have preferred seeing the vehicle mode in the packaging for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, I mean, I think, I mean, it's not good for selling toys necessarily, maybe, but I always like the idea that at a glance, it's like, oh, yeah, you're buying a toy car. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Mom, dad. But you don't know that secretly this is a cool robot action figure that I'm buying. Uh even though they probably did know. But, you know, there's this kind of neat, like, stealth sense to it. Um, also, when things are packaged in their alt modes, for you know, with, with notable exceptions, of course, usually the packaging can then be more compact. And I really like compact packaging, which also apparently does not sell toys as well. <laughs> so all of my aesthetic preferences for packaging do not jive with what appears to actually sell toys better. Um, yeah, and you, you would need less of those crazy-ass plastic straps. Yeah. That, yeah, if everything's just boxes. Yeah, and like these modern straps make me long for the twist tie days. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. The upside is that these these like current strap-in things, they're super easy to cut and for the most part they're more green than twist ties with metal bits in them. And also those twist ties with metal bits, like you caught one of those at the wrong angle, you could actually like gouge yourself pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, my cat loved playing with them though oh i would twist them into a little circle and it would just go nuts um though remember the paper ties those yeah were, those were the, those the greenest they, those are still there sometimes like leader toys have one of those usually like i just i just cut open the the twist ties on on leader nemesis prime and he had one of those across his stomach um but yeah i, I just don't like these ones with the tabs yeah, the, most of the tabs there's are... been some that have that were like the tabs are so tight like you can't pry them from behind to cut them and then they like wrap around and get into such a groove that it's hard to get a knife down in there to cut it at all without potentially scratching up the toy so you, you um, got to get yourself like some don't you gotta like get them. some some nippers for those number one like you gotta use like, like a little them. snipping tool uh don't, but also don't, don't like them the ones with the tabs, the secret to those is that if, if you have adult strength, uh, and I don't, you, I don't, and you, <laughs> and you get your angle set up right, you can just hook a finger in there and pull, and the thing will break through the, the plastic tray. No, but sometimes they're so tight, you can't really get them wedged out of there, it seems. That's true. I, I've also gotten good at, like, I find the ones I can rip free, and then... The other ones, I kind of just slide the toy out from under them. I don't know. Uh, I, I've gotten adept at getting those things open without snipping them if, because sometimes I'm just really impatient. Uh, and sometimes I... there's way too many. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I've come across some figures where it's like they got, like, a ridiculous number of those things. And then the bubble is designed as such where it, like, kind of curls up over. So that's mm -hmm. holding the thing in, too. It's like, how secure does this damn thing need to be? So I think someone asked about that at a convention. And I I, I feel like on, from an official channel, we heard that, like, 
you know, who knows, like, what kind of answer it was, really. But my, from what I recall, vaguely, an official channel stated this stuff was positively received by retailers as being successful anti-theft devices. And I was like, okay. Um, I mean, that's who it's for. Then, And if they're really into it, then, uh, you know, what, whatever. Uh, yeah, but it, but like Star Wars and Marvel figures aren't strapped down with a million things. They're they're in like a three layer box though. Well, I've still seen those boxes empty on the, on the well, bottom yeah. of a shelf. And you know, and well, you know what team probably isn't getting all this warm feedback from retailers is the Marvel and Star Wars teams, especially Marvel. They're probably getting feedback of like we keep getting customers saying people are just putting other toys in these packages and giving yeah. them back to us. At which point Hasbro can probably say, yeah, well, that's not our fault. That's You guys need to actually look at things <laughs> when they get returned. Uh, I don't think the stores are complaining about that because I have seen with my own eyes and I've seen so many pictures from other people's experiences that they just get thrown back on the shelf. Nobody cares. Yeah, no, no one cares. They're, they're not hearing anything about it. They're Unless they're checking... Like, you know, a couple key people's Twitter accounts, they're probably not hearing about it at all. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I just always really, really preferred the look of, of alt modes and package. And a lot of the movie masterpiece toys, um, if I recall correctly, at least, they, they've been... Uh, the two cars, Bumblebee and, and Barricade, have been packaged in their car modes. And it made me kind of bummed out that like there was no window on the box. Because... Mm-hmm. I think it would look really sharp. Um, There's no window in the box, and it super doesn't matter how they're packaged. Yeah. Uh, Packaged halfway, transformed. Well, in that case, I like that they're packaged compact, because I I do like that the movie masterpiece boxes have been fairly compact. Uh I just really like... I like compact, stackable toy packaging. It makes me think of, uh, like, like old-scale cars. It makes me think of Machine Robo. It, It hits my personal aesthetic preference. Uh... I, at the end of the day, I don't really care because I open all of it anyway. But I, I even as someone who opens a lot of my toys, well, all my toys, I have like preferences in packaging. Nonetheless, it's weird. That's uh, why I opt to not talk about any of it in a review format because it's like I could talk for days about packaging, except that it doesn't matter to anyone except for me and like maybe ten other people. So we should just go have our own conversations about it. <laughs> um. Anyway, I hope that answered your question, uh, Monsieur the Silver League. Um, Seth, let's go into that real fun part of 2018, as it's been so far. What we got this week. Uh, did you find any Transformers this week? Uh, I did, but they weren't any ones that I wanted. So uh, I left them behind. Nuts and nuggets and bolts. What were they? Oh, a lot of the the uh the movie things and ah. and uh some some prime war stuff that or power of the prime stuff that i'm not after uh yeah and then like scraps of the the previous kitty line uh, uh i went to I walmart got- again i don't know why i keep looking in walmart that place is a desolate <laughs> wasteland and then uh the only target i've been to for a while now has been the Rona Park Target. Now, the thing with the Rona Park Target, and I've been trying to figure this out for a while, is either 
they don't get anything ever or there's some hardcore collectors in rona park that clear it out all the time you got i, I have better out. luck I, yeah i have better luck at the petaloma santa rosa or novato targets rona park target never seems to have anything new you got to stake out those those rona park uh miscreants who keep purchasing all of the collectibles mm-hmm. and uh keep an eye on them um seth i got some stuff i can talk about that's on topic oh yeah yeah i just did popped open, uh i popped open two of my terror cons that i bought a while ago that i didn't open because uh, at the toy show this sunday i got blot but i haven't opened them yet because i got to film this package still uh so I popped open Cutthroat and Sinner Twin from Power of the Primes. Uh, they they are very solid. Um, Cutthroat is less transparently swoop than I thought he would feel like, even though he's very obviously very deluxe swoop. Uh, but, oh, the colors are lovely on, on, the, on the two of them, actually. The colors are very lovely. Um, and I, I was just thinking again about how much I like these deluxe combiner limbs in that I think an unsung thing about them is the sheer number of alternate locking tabs and slots for, you know, limb modes. It's it's a little thing, but I think it's just very important because it's like, I don't know, the, the worst thing that can happen for a limb mode is that it has four smaller limbs kind of gangling around on ball joint friction. And I, I like that the, uh, the generations combiners have generally, you know, had locking points for a lot of the uh, individual limbs uh, for their bigger limb modes. Uh, Sinner Twin actually was a little bit of a surprise to me. He, I, I wasn't expecting much out of him, and I knew that the two heads of his Cerberus mode are, were both like kind of articulated, but the shape of his two modes are actually really solid too. Like his dog mode has a very distinct silhouette, and you can kind of spread the front legs out a little bit to to make it look sort of dynamic. And then the robot mode is just like a man made of bricks. Like he doesn't look like he turns into into a dog thing at all. Um, I really like that. Like, I, I there's a certain homogenized look to the uh, deluxe combiner limb robot modes in general that I'm a big fan of. It makes me think of them all as kind of like action master robot modes, uh, and it, it's it's highlighted pretty well, I think, on Sinner Twin. Um, so I'm very happy with these two, uh, and I'm gonna pop open Blot later on once I get my lights set back up on my table. Uh, I also finally popped open the Amazon-exclusive Power of the Prime's Nemesis Prime, who's the leader Optimus with new heads and new weapons and stuff. I just messed with him briefly, but uh, boy howdy, that toy looks even better when it's one color scheme, uh, and you don't have, like, erroneous gray parts that you think should be red, when he's just, like, basically solid black with some detailing. Uh, an already very good toy looks way better, so I'm, uh, I'm really happy with that thing. And uh, I, I like the um, the Giza, the little the bird he comes with that turns into a sword. Like yeah. that's an actual like engineered thing. Uh, had more moving parts than I thought it would. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm very happy with uh, like with what I've got of Power of the Primes. I'm really satisfied. Um, so I'm uh, I'm I'm enjoying this stuff. Uh, I haven't popped open Bludgeon or uh, or Bomb Burst yet because I don't even want to open them until I get Octo Punch because I want to film a shot of all three of them in package. So I need to find Octo Punch to do that uh, for for purposes. Um, but that's that's about it for my on topic. What I got this week that I can like immediately talk about. Um, I got a couple Iron Factory things as well at the toy show, but I, again, haven't opened them up yet. 
Um, and yeah. Uh, Seth, that brings us to off topic. Off and topic. I have something that I popped open today that showed up on the weekend that calls back to a conversation we had in an earlier episode. Oh, did ya? So before I get to that, Seth, did you get anything off topic uh, this week? Uh, I got some uh, gaming related stuff. Um, gaming related. Yes. Uh, I went to a website called Elderwood Academy and ordered some of their uh, wooden and leather products. Uh, I got their uh, Codex Scroll um, Tower, Dice Tower. Oh, nice. Uh, scroll Case Dice Tower, um, which is uh, wood and magnets and leather. And you can choose uh, from a couple wood options, uh, different colored leathers, uh, different uh, designs stamped into said leather, and then foil to uh, give a contrast and whatnot. So um, I got like this dark red uh, leather with the um, the the standard, like the, the basic wood. I didn't get the additional artwork on the cap, uh, which I kind of wish I did now because it's pretty plain. What was the and website called again? Elderwood Academy. All right, I'm going to go look it up while you're talking. Yeah. Um, and then the design I got in the leather is the the raven, which I had in black. Um, so the, the bottom twists um, to open a door for your dice to come out, uh, the, the cap pops off. It's held on by uh, four magnets. Um and then you drop your dice in the bottom and they fall straight through and come out because there's nothing inside. Uh, they used to have a little flappy bit that was held on with a magnet uh, to agitate the die a little bit as they drop in. Uh, they don't mm -hmm. do that anymore, apparently, as uh, they told me on Twitter. Um, but they sell a separate piece, which is a big insert that has like multiple bevels, um, which will function way better than just a little flappy bit um this thing looks but, baller by the way the codex dice tower I'm, I'm yeah looking at it right now right so i ordered that sometime before so it took about a month to get so sometime between when i ordered and now is when they introduced the insert which oh, is about seven bucks weird. yeah so that just sticks in and then the dice bounce back and forth on the way down <laughs> it gives it more um, plunk according to yeah. the description <laughs> well and it because right now you drop the dice in they just go straight down and then roll out yeah so you're not really getting much out of using it which <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose <laughs> so i was gonna um, say like you could i guess you could put them in cap it shake it and then dump them out but that seems like ugh, that's a lot to. of work for what this is supposed to be doing yeah um so i ordered the insert um now we just have to wait for that <laughs> but uh if the insert was available when i ordered in the first place i probably just would have gotten it then and there now the only problem with the insert is the other thing i got was one of their dice trays uh mm. which roll up and when you roll the dice tray up it fits into the dice tower oh nuts <laughs> so if you're <laughs> using the insert then the insert doesn't leave room for the dice tray but both the, the tower and the tray come in nice little velveteen bags with uh, the elder wood emblem on them. 
So there's still an option to transport it safely. Um, so for the, the tray, um, it's, it's a strip of leather with a design stamped in it with a foil of your choice. Um, and the four sides are wood with Mm -hmm. a, a design, a laser cut. It's two layers of wood. Um, I did the upgrade to purple heart for the accent color wood just to make the sides darker because I was going with black leather for the, for the bottom. Yeah. Um, then those are held together by magnets. So two of the sides are attached to the leather and the other two sides remove via the magnets. And then you stack up all the bits and you roll it up and it's a small little thing that's easy to travel around with. Um, so I got the purple heart wood, I got the black leather, I got the spell circle design, and I used the holographic foil, which looks really good. Oh, it looks really cool. When the, the foil catches the light, it's just all these crazy colors. Um, if you look on my Twitter, uh, there are pictures. Um, the... It, it was hard to capture the colors um, in the camera, like the the iPhone camera. Uh, it just doesn't look quite as crazy as it does in person, except for uh, one of the pictures. Um, I used the flash to get a better shot down down the inside of the dice tower, and the the mat is in the frame and the way the flash hit the, the foil um, is a better representation of how it just looks. The video of you to waving eye. it is also really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That worked too. Uh, but you get a better idea of how colorful it is off that yeah. flash picture. Um, but it's nice stuff. It's not cheap. No. Um, <laughs> It could have been more expensive if I went for all the crazy options that were available. Um, originally, my girlfriend was planning on getting stuff from them, but then she got into... Oh, what's the name of the company? Jessix? No, no. that's the dice company. Uh, I'm not going to know this. Uh, it's another... <laughs> they also have Academy in the name. And they do dice trays and dice towers um, involving wood, magnets, but it's a different... The Younger like, Wood Academy. <laughs> oh, man, what are they called? I'll figure it out. But, uh, like, they do things in a different a different style. Like, their dice tower um, is held together with magnets, so it all breaks apart and mm-hmm. then stacks up into the tray. Oh, and nice. then a little strap goes over the top and it gets all held together in a nice little rectangle shape. I love things that are like magnets that collapse and all store together. It's I love I love micromanaged storage like that. Also, I just yeah. I was watching your, your video of you doing your first roll and how they are just like they fall straight through the tower. Um, oh, it's, it's Wormwood is who she's going with. Wormwood Academy. Okay. Yeah. And they just it is another wood academy. <laughs> yeah. They just did a Kickstarter. So she 
she bought it through the Kickstarter thing. So now it's a matter of waiting. Uh, Wormwood yeah. has a lot more options in regards to woods. Like as time was running out for the Kickstarter, she would spend like hours like looking up woods I kind of scrolling that up and down and not being able to decide and being like I really like this wood but it's in this and like they the price tiers are based on how expensive the wood is she yeah. goes man I really like this wood but it's this higher price tier and it's way it's really expensive but this one's nice too and this one's cheaper but I like that one a lot more I'm like, get the one that you're going to be happy with otherwise you're going to go nuts yeah like you're gonna get it and then you're gonna sit there looking at it thinking like i wish i spent that extra 40 bucks and got the one i really wanted i'm just wondering with with the dice tower you got like obviously the insert is like seven bucks so it's it's a a thing we're trying out but if you end up like really wanting to be able to store that that tray in the tower granted this is also coming up with a reason to like or a, a thing that is halfway is making it feel like what's the tower for but if you shook the dice in your in your palms a whole bunch before you drop them in, technically you have randomized them enough that it's still, you know, it's a random dice roll. Yeah, but then what's the point of bothering to drop it through a tube? Yeah, it's because yeah, you want that satisfying k- k- clunk a clunk kind of feel yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah. So until the insert comes, I mean, I could still use the tray. Now, my only concern is um, with the tray is how durable is that foil stamp going to be? I um, wonder if... With yeah, I think dice the, hitting it, with the yeah. rolling and unrolling, all the flexing it's going to do. I think the question is, did they put some kind of sealing finish over top of it? I mean, I hope they did. Um, as I looked yeah. for reviews and videos about their products... Um, everything is like first impression type reviews it's all unboxings it's all i just got like nobody's coming back it's like well i had this thing for like a year and man it's wrecked (laughs) (laughs) this didn't last at all everything's like i just got it it's amazing (laughs) it's so good i just got it it's like okay well let me know what's up in six months to a year yeah uh, I'm just looking on Elderwood Academy. They've got this page for the deck boxes they're going to put out this month, apparently. Oh, yeah. Those things look sick, especially the insert to change it into, like, a miniatures tokens box. Uh-huh. Stuff is sick! <laughs> um, check out their uh, spell books, too, because there's uh, different foam inserts for the spell books, and some of them are specifically for card game players. Oh, boy, I didn't know about the foam insert stuff they'll even sell you multiple uh um foam inserts so you could have different inserts for different needs because i also really like the hex chest that's a key a keychain like a magnetic little hex box with with your dice in it that you put your keys on something about Uh that like all this stuff is very aesthetically pleasing to me and it's the kind of stuff where i also go like these companies are all based out of the states so i would much rather like go to a convention that they have a table at because a lot of these companies are small and thus, shipping to Canada is is a huge bummer, uh, has been my experience. Oh, I wish I had brought the Dice Tower up here, because the unbelievable crack of 
the magnets and the cap grabbing oh, hold yeah. and slamming the thing together oh, makes yeah. me worry that I'm going to break the wood one of these days. <laughs> that wood's built. That wood is built to last, I'm sure. Uh, well, still, Gratz, you got some of the, you got some of those bespoke gaming uh, accoutrements. Those things I, I, I've done. I can't begin to tell you how many Etsy dives I've done that ended with horrifyingly filled shopping carts that I would then not click checkout on for like handmade deck boxes and card boxes and things. Yeah. Well, uh, did you check out Wormwood, the Wormwood site there? Uh Oh, hello. I put you on a link there. So this big picture that you'll see with a bunch of different, the bespoke edition. <laughs> yeah. So that, that one in the center that was the most expensive option in the Kickstarter. I forget how much it was, but it was like the most expensive yeah. by a large margin. And it looks <laughs> really kind of amazing. I'm scrolling and through then the pre-order the, prices and some of these are nuts. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And the, the two on the other side with the, uh, the maps burned into them. Yeah. Um, that's wasn't available on all the wood options. And that those were like, the premium of each tier of wood had a had a map option. I don't care for the map options personally because like all like as I was looking at them like giving my opinion on which ones I like the most, like the the woods that I would have chosen I was I was choosing because I really found the the wood grain attractive and yeah. the idea of like burning some crazy fantasy map on over it and obscuring these really cool patterns um seemed terrible to me <laughs> it seemed like so, a really bad thing to do so of course guess which wood i think looks the best the most expensive one of course the friggin gabon ebony near matte black wood is the one that's also friggin more expensive than literally everything else on the page where's um hmm. it's, it's the, not seeing it's it's uh if you click on the picture it goes to a pre-order page oh, okay. and then go to the <clears> bottom <throat> of every single list to where the most expensive one is and that's the color i think looks <laughs> the best i hate um, my taste a lot <laughs> yeah yeah she she was like like so she was really after dark dark colored woods um mm -hmm. I forget which one she ended up going with. Maybe I'll recognize it. It wasn't that, but it was <laughs> something else. Um, oh, but if you see the lace wood, um, that's probably the one I would have ended up choosing. What price area is that? The two hundred and eighty-three dollar price area. Oh yeah, that looks that yeah that's that's one you would not want to mess with the the grain finish on that. That's the whole draw. Oh, it was the winge. I think that's the one she went with. Winge, and she kept trying. It's like the next row down. Oh, I was gonna say wenge. <laughs> uh, yeah, as she was looking up um, information, like she was finding videos and people, like everyone pronounced it different. Uh, <laughs> that's like wagyu wagyu whatever the japanese beef everyone yeah says i think fancy. i think some people are pronouncing it like wengi wenge yeah and it's like no that sounds terrible <laughs> <laughs> bokote um but i think like that was the one she kept going back to and then 
would try to talk herself into something cheaper. And then I was like, you know, you're just gonna, you're gonna end up regretting it. Like, yeah, if you're gonna it's get, al- it's already gonna be expensive. You're already getting a handmade thing. Like, yeah, it's already crossed a certain threshold, in my opinion. Like the cheapest one here, just of you know, the systems being the most expensive, it's like the cheapest one is 163 bucks. So, like, if you if you're into what, like, you know, I guess it's like double, but you know, someone's making it. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it makes it more uh, palatable. Yeah, I saw and it's a cool lot of, how it um, all breaks down and stacks up, and yeah, I, I saw a lot of dice towers at the Artist Alley uh, at at uh, Fan Expo, and uh, that like those those were I think uh, some of those were more MDF like laser cut things, but looking at these things and and the stuff on Etsy always makes me sit there going like, man, I wish I knew how to do woodworking because I feel like I could I could you know not make a killing. But it feels like you could make some money if you know how to actually find wood and make it into things. Mm. Uh, and it seems very satisfying, too. But. The Coco Bolo is very nice, also. Coco Bolo! Yeah. And this English Elm Burl, I don't think was unlocked yet. <laughs> we didn't uh, unlock but, the man, wood. Man, it looks cool. <laughs> well, when they were doing the Kickstarter, like, stretch goals were... Yeah, like more expensive woods, like crazy. The really expensive woods were like stretch goals. I want to. I want to believe that someone listening to this, we actually have someone who knows woodworking listening to this, who's just like either nodding fervently or just clenching their teeth at the way we're pronouncing some of the wood types, <laughs> or sh- shaking their head disapprovingly. Because they think that both of these companies are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> or they're like, I'm like, oh, the Gabon Ebony looks the best. And they're just like, oh, you're one of those. You're one of those people who doesn't know what black paint is. So you want the wood that looks the most like it's been already painted black. Uh, well, I'm pronouncing Cocobolo, Cocobolo, because that was a thing in one of the seasons of Better Call Saul. He wanted a Cocobolo desk, and that's how Saul Goodman said it, even though he's not Saul Goodman yet. Um, yeah. Jimmy. Jimmy, uh, forget his last name. Jimmy Smith. Man, I'm not going to remember now. The, I'm trying to think of it, and it's, you know the thing when you try to think of a thing, but you know it's just been locked off because of the way you're trying to think about it? Mm-hmm. I hate it. Uh, but these look great. <laughs> uh, well, grats. Uh, grats on entering the lovely world of handmade wood product for dicing. Yeah, yeah and if it causes you to stare at the Elderwood page and try to rationalize getting one of these spell books or something. Then I did my job. Yeah. My work's been done. <laughs> um, but look, the inside of the lid, you get to choose a, a metal and that's a metal. the inside of the lid. And then you could use the wet erase pens and write little notes and then wipe them off. Write notes to myself. Uh, well, like in a game, like you're keeping track of numbers and stuff. That's true. That's true. Oh, man. Instead of using one of those asinine spin-down dice. Asinine sp- I don't listen. I use a notepad, <laughs> and I'm happy. I got the Commander Anthology. I got the little, I got the weird, like, clickety-wheel things now. I don't, I don't need spin-down dice. I've... I had a game with someone where I offered they could use a, a clickety spin thing, and like, no, no, I got a spin down die, and like, someone bumped the table and knocked their life total over and made it roll across the table like four times in one game, and I was just like, you sure you don't want to? Sure you don't want to like use the 
never mind. Just never mind. Look, you could get mahogany trim. Oh, burgundy felt. Ooh, luxurious. <laughs> Seth, I got. I got to. I got to talk about what I got this week because it's <laughs> it's already the heights of luxury. Like you can't even be- you can't even begin to believe it. Um, was that all that you got off topic? Yes, that I. Maybe I'll think of something later, but all right. off the top of my head, that's all I got. This is the important thing I got off topic. Remember when we talked about Enfys Nest for like an hour and a half? I don't think time? it was that long, but, but it, we did it, discuss. It, it felt like it because we just kept going. We kept going. Wait, there's another. Enf- there's a. There's a vintage collection Enfys Nest. There's one that comes without the bike. Anyway, uh, end of that story is I got from Amazon.ca the four inch scale Enfys Nest. Casual. That's right. Uh, it's it's the better toy that doesn't have all the speeder bike stuff and whatnot, and has the swappable arm guards. Uh, it's a good little figure. It's one of the good Star Wars four inch figures. The only problem with it is it has Iron Man two hips, where it's got like pin disc hips, but they go up into the body rather than sideways into the crotch. Um, so it can be a little annoying to get the legs to do what you want, but there's swivels everywhere and hinges everywhere. My only problem with the figure is that the ankle. Uh, hinge is forward backwards rather than side to side. I wish it was, you know, an ankle tilt rather than a an ankle forward tilt. Um, but like the the helmet is on a double ball joint on the neck, so you can get some motion there. There's a super good ball socket midriff joint. Um, and I, it's, I'm very happy with the figure. The the only cloth goods on it is the cape. Uh, the way the cape is fastened, it's actually pretty easy to kind of like fold it so it looks like it's billowing in the wind. Um, and I, I like Enfys Nest design a lot, so um, I'm, I'm happy with the figure, and I got it, Seth, because of our conversation. That's the only reason I knew it existed. Wow. So that's a little uh, that's a little closed circle on that conversation. That's a little the, that's the snake finally reaching its tail and chomping right in. <laughs> um, well, she is still an integral part of my Star Wars Galaxy Heroes arena team. Excellent. They also have the six-inch one with the bike at my local comic store, Silver Snail, where they want too much money for it because they got it through Diamond Distributing. Um, so I look at it now and then, and I go like, "Can't buy you. You're too expensive." <laughs> also, don't want most of what you are, which is that speeder bike. Um, but aside from that, I also I got this a little while ago, but I, I've, I've assembled them now, which is relevant to this conversation we've been having, Seth. I was getting interested in Kill Team, Warhammer Forty Thousand Kill Team, yeah. Uh, because friend of the podcast, uh, random underscore factor on Twitter, uh, really put the Kill Team bug in my ear, and then I saw at the same local comic store they had the Tyranids Kill Team starter box uh, for f- very cheap, and I thought, hey, you know what? This is an inexpensive way to have a Kill Team, and I kind of don't want to think about getting my childhood miniatures from the west coast over to here and then think about painting over my childhood paint jobs so what if i just start fresh with some gene stealers uh and so i built the gene stealers and then i converted one of them into a gene stealer leader and then it became a whole thing of coming up with fluff reasons why i'm assembling them the way that i am uh and that's that's the the imperium because i'm talking about some of that zeno nonsense but that's okay they don't know where i am uh, so I got I got me some eight gene stealers and and I, I converted the leader. I just started like snipping stuff because gene stealers have very similar poses. So for the oh, leader, yeah, I, I, I was yeah. Um, even though there's actually there's a lot of variants you can do now because like all the arms are ball joint or you know ball socket glue connections. So you can you can really 
get in there with the arms, but like there's just four different bodies and they're all in very they're they're in different states of hunched over and jumping. Uh but I was I just like was like, alright, I want to have one who's standing upright. So I just cut an angle on the neck and, and I use the glue that melts plastic together. Um, and that just meant that I could just slice stuff up to change the pose. And I remembered like, Hey, I used to be very comfortable with this glue and plastic models, just slicing wedges out of things to change poses. Uh, and so I felt all haughty because I was my, my conversion maniac was, was reactivating. Um, so I've, I've made my, my gene stealers, my eight gene stealers. I got to prime them in purple and do some, some washes on them. Uh, I'm now eyeballing a box of Hormigoths because with Kill Team, there's like kind of limited unit lists right now, but the Tyranids have very solid unit choices that you can stock up on, which is like get a box of Gene Steelers, get a box of Hormigoths. You're good to go for quite a while. Uh, and I haven't I haven't built the terrain that came with the Gene Steelers because the Kill Team stuff, those little starter sets are basically here is a unit box and then here is a um like two-thirds size or one half size set of our terrain and the terrain is basically heavily discounted if you buy it this way that's kill team's whole gimmick um product wise is everything that includes terrain is cheaper than buying that terrain by itself so if you sit there breaking down the contents of any piece of kill team uh product usually it ends up that you're saving um 10 to like 30 bucks on the terrain alone uh, if you also don't attribute any monetary value to any of the paperwork. And for Games Workshop, as I recall, and as apparently it still is the case, that's not very common. So that's been a huge draw for Kill Team as well, uh, is that it's cheap terrain. Um, so I haven't played it yet. Hopefully I'm going to do that in the next week or two. But uh, I'm 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 liking it. It's like Warhammer 40,000, but you, you only ever need, like, a Kill Team is only ever 3 to 20 models. Yeah. So you pick your faction that you like, you look up what's available to them in Kill Team, and then for a good, at least half of the factions, it's basically buy one or two boxes that cost you between uh, something like 50 to 70 bucks Canadian or, or American, I can't remember which. But usually it's just like one or two boxes and you're good to go. Or if it's like Death Watch, you buy five models which come in a box together, and that's all. Um, if you know how to magnetize stuff, you're you're ready to go. Um, we'll see how all that plays out. Uh, I played 40,000 a whole lot when I was a teenager. I played Gorkamorka a whole lot when I was a late teenager. Um, and nowadays I'm really into small scale games with like, you know, what I would call decks and for kill team, the way that you make your kill teams feel very akin to card decks to me because there's like, there's just a limited pool you're pulling from. And then you end up with this little squad of figures. So... Seth, you were interested in Kill Team too. Yes, I was glad to hear that you painted your Gene Stealers purple, because boy, I don't like how they look uh, in in the p- package pictures. Oh yeah, all, all red the, and white. It's all, the all orange and white. It's lame. the The official Tyranid color scheme, apparently, for the last couple of years, has been bone with red, and I'm just like, that just doesn't look cool. That doesn't no. look cool at all. It looks like mm-hmm. it looks like you want them to be skeleton people, and they clearly aren't. That's the Necron's job. Yeah. No. no uh, yeah. Huh. I was gonna say I'm I'm all down. I'm my current color scheme ideas for actually everything I want to put together is kind of like how do I start with purple or metallic blue and then go from there. That's kind of my whole plan for everything. Oh. 
I, I'm always like, how do I make these guys just more green? Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to do Eldar. Ooh, I like the, uh, the Beltan craft world thing. Oh, there's so much white. I'm just going to invert the colors. Now they have white helmets and green armor. There we go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, the DM for the D&D game I'm in had expressed interest in trying Warhammer. And I was like, well, if you want to play second edition, I got it. Like, I still have all that stuff. Um, and he goes, oh, like, I don't care what edition it is. I just like to try it out. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll pull the bucks out of storage and, and uh, relearn the rules. And then I kind of became a work kill team. Like, I think like a day or two before I saw you tweeting about your gene stealers. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of attracting me with that is I can use the miniatures I have and it's a smaller scale thing. Like you were saying, yeah, where it's a handful of miniatures instead of a handful of squads made up of a multitude of miniatures. And like, like the kill team, like environment and the starter set and the environment sets. It's like the idea of the game is you actually unfold a, a board that is 36 by 24 and put all the terrain on that. Yeah. So it's like it's it's even meant to be in a, a more confined board game size space so that the games just go, you know. Yeah. Now the problem right now mm-hmm. is the starter set you're not getting it anywhere unless you're paying through the ass. Yeah, they're apparently in the midst of doing a second printing on it that yeah. I think they're hoping to have out in November. Yeah. So that's supposed to be a couple of months. Um I'm not necessarily interested in the miniatures it comes with. Um, because those are two forces that I'm not personally excited about. Yeah. Uh, I do like the amount of terrain and all the little counters and the map that it comes with. Now, there's other map options. I could get the Rogue Trader set, or I could get the... Uh, um, it's like a forest... Yeah, the environment sets are yeah, basically like a, is, another map. Is so it's just rogue trader and like this deadly forest thing um, for environments. Yeah, there's like three other so environment far. packs, and then there's rogue trader. Which rogue trader's thing is its um, closed corridor combat, kind of space Hulk ish. Yeah. Uh, and so Rogue Trader, is, as an expansion, is, as, as I understand it, is introducing, like, rules for fighting inside buildings. And then they basically say, like, if you want, you can take the Rogue Trader board and l- put it next to one of the kill team boards. And you can have it so it's like, if you get to the edge of the board, you enter this building. And then when you're, you move uh-huh. over to this board where it's, like, super close quarters combat where shooting doesn't matter as much or it's harder. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, what's the other environment set? Because I know there's like a forest world one. The forest one's the new one. There's also the Munitorum uh, one, which I really like. It's a whole bunch of cargo boxes and a big crane. Uh, and then there's the Adeptus Mechanicus thing, which is like, you know, Adeptus Mechanicus machine temple stuff that looks all elaborate. I just like shipping containers. So like the shipping uh-huh. container one, you get like a bunch of shipping containers and a crane. And then... because. Yeah, because what I'm thinking of doing is getting the rule book, getting a set of these dice. That's ten bucks, um, 
and then just using the miniatures I have. But yeah. I would like one of the play mats. So maybe if I and like so the local store they only have that forest set uh for the environment deals. So maybe I could like find on Amazon or something. I'm looking at um what they have on miniature market right now and and they don't have any of the environment sets available. Yeah, everything kill team has been selling nuts. The, the one thing that might be worth checking, I'm actually doing it right now. Um if you go on eBay, you can possibly just get the board parted out from hmm. the starter box. So you just you like it's just like kind of like getting the paperwork from the starter box. Yeah. Um that that might be an option. Yeah, I came across on Amazon people selling a uh uh, a set of tokens um that look like they're a, a heavier material but mm. it was like 35 bucks seems like a lot yeah i'm trying to figure out how to do this a little more on the cheap um yeah and also the the kill and team also not dice, waiting <laughs> you you don't need the kill team dice it's just 6d6 and 2d10s oh there isn't like a scatter die or something no, no, it's and in fact the D10s are only used for randomly generating fluff for the most part. You you're just using D6s most of the time. Oh, okay. That's fine. So you don't like even, you I thought it was going to be like Yeah, I thought it was going to be like uh when I played Warhammer before where there was a scatter die. Oh yeah, stuff I mean, like that. Every everything in the game like it's it's not literally 40k rules, so it's like yeah. uh like the way, like there's flamers in it, but rather than using the flamer template, you just have a range on the flamer, and it does d6 hits, so it auto hits, um, uh-huh. and then it's just like it's it's all very simplified, so that you're just rolling d6s basically and checking line of sight, um, and it, I kind of like it more. Like the the one downside is also there's no scatter die because I don't think there's anyone who actually launches explosives. <laughs> there's just there's like no missile. Grenades. Yeah, there's just missile launchers and stuff, and they're more like single target. Or there's uh-huh. like there's an area of effect, but it's it's all measurable. Um, so you know, and if you've got models, like yeah, you're set. Like all you need is the book, and then you just oh, flip God. to the back of the book, and you go like, all right, where's my army? The thing is, they changed a lot of the army names, so it might take a second to find it. <laughs> uh. Like, they even changed the name of the Imperial Guard. They changed the name of the Eldar. They changed the name of the Dark Eldar. They changed everybody's name. It's it's really weird. I didn't know who the Imperial Guard were for a little while. I thought there was a new army called the Adeptus something or other. And it's like, no, that's the Imperial Guard now. They're the the Astra Militarum. Uh, Yeah. And I was like, who? Like, (laughs) yeah, like, I've I've been watching a lot of lore videos lately. Like, 40k lore videos. and, And it seems like there's a push to refer to the space marines as uh um get it was just in my head and it fell out the astartes um, adeptus astartes. astartes yeah 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 the astartes the the eldar are now the ale dowry um <laughs> the the dark eldar are now the drukai which sounds like it sounds like someone else's franchise. Like I think Dark Eldari would have been better than the Drukai, in my opinion. But I don't know. I'm an outsider. I'm, I'm looking at all this stuff as a as a casual. I've never cared for the Dark Eldar. Yeah, like they, they were like as I was getting out of it, 
they were introducing the Dark Eldar. There was like a bunch of sets coming out. They were like play testing the Necrons. Like there was one or two Necron sets you could get. Yep. And then all the rules for them were in White Dwarf. And then not long after is when the Tau started getting introduced. Yep, the Tau coming out was right around when I got out of Games Workshop stuff. So I I missed the Tau almost entirely. But all that other stuff was right in my heyday. My my understanding is the the Dark Eldar never really had an identity until they kind of moved in this Drakari direction where they sort of, they defined them better as not just being like S&M Eldar. (laughs) Um so like you know the Drukari are the the main um, starter set. You just get like a squad of witches, and I remember those. So they're, they're a little more like you know weird Slanesh cultists. Uh, one of the cool things actually is that a couple of the chaos the Tzinch and the Nurgle Chaos Marines are their own factions now. So they're they've got like dedicated units and stuff. Yeah, um, I had gotten the impression from some stuff. I got pulled into a uh, a Warhammer Facebook group by. Um, uh, Andy from Moonbase. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want in, I mean, I'm sure Andy will bring you in. Um, I don't know if he wants me there. I mean, I might. I'm just going to come in there yelling about Imperial Guard and things that are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to start saying where the squats at, and I'm just going to get banned. <laughs> yeah. So one of the other guys in there posted a picture of some Death Guard. He goes, "Ah, oh, Penny, my Nurgle Death Guard. I just need some Pox Walkers, and I'm good to go for Kill Team." And I was like, "I got to play Kill Team." <laughs> nurgle's my thing oh dude nurgle and i have has... multiple squads of of plague marines painted up already from back in the day yeah nurgle got all these rules nurgle has been like the bad guy starter set army for like a couple of years now it's like nurgle versus space marines uh rogue trader <laughs> has a new faction called the Gellerpox infected who are basically new units for nurgle in 40k if you want uh-huh. Uh, it's like space, it's like mutant space zombies, like very dead spacey stuff. Uh, so Nurgle's, Nurgle's all over the place to the point where when I've been reading up on Kill Team and reading community threads and things, like there are people who are dead sick of Nurgle. They're just like, oh, more Nurgle, more Plague Marines, God. And it, apparently that means if you're getting in and you want more Plague Marine units, like you can find the, the Nurgle units from all the various starter sets of the last few years, like parted out on eBay for super cheap or something. Well, I just went for it, and on Amazon I ordered um, the Easy Fit Death Guard uh, three pack, which is mm-hmm. like fifteen bucks, and the Easy Fit Poxwalker pack, which I think is six Poxwalkers, also for fifteen bucks. My understanding is those two um, plus, if you have Nurgle Marines already, you will oh, basically I got a have. Bunch. Yeah, you if you yeah the that plus those two easy fit sets and you've basically got every option open to you now. Yeah, some of them are like the really, really basic one piece. <laughs> I have uh, ones from way back in the day. I have like twelve of those back in yeah. BC. Like yeah, the fat one who's in that one pose, kind of just standing yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Like I got a whole squad of that guy, and then um, <laughs> I have a couple more squads uh, made made with a lot of custom jobs. Yeah. Like getting other chaos guys and then sort of like trying to crumb them up and just give them really gross green and brown paint jobs. I think and, I think uh, it'll be good. Um and then like if you want to if if you want to play some some 40k some, some kill team and no one else has models and you like the look of anything, there's a bunch of other factions where it's like buy one box and you've got a basic kill yeah. team arrangement. 
Yeah, well, I came uh, across um, a video on YouTube um, titled, like, how to play Kill Team for $50 or less. Oh, I like that video. I watched that one, yeah. Yeah, I usually <laughs> don't like that guy's videos because I just don't like his voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that one was informative. Yeah. And he seemed to be more on track. Like, I've seen some of his videos where it just seems like he's rambling. And, like, he talks very slow. And blah, blah, blah. I like, Get to I like whatever <laughs> I like whatever microphone he's using because it sounds like he's right there in my ear and the acoustics are really good. And I'm jealous because I have good microphones, but I think I'm I'm not I, I know how audio works, but I never check it enough. <laughs> And I never want to like sit there listening to my monitor because I want to just get going. So I'm like, I want to know how you have your mic set up because it sounds really good. And you're able to talk quietly and it still is audible. And that's that's very pleasant. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hoping Kill Team is now, fun. Are there um, is there a list for Battle Sisters? Am I getting their name right? I uh, actually didn't hear what you said specifically for the name because your audio cut out when you were saying it. <laughs> oh, the Battle Sisters? Is there a list oh, for the, them? The, no, not yet. They're they're getting a new codex very soon, so I suspect that when that drops, they're going to also get new uh, Kill Team rules. Yeah. The, uh, the yeah. Adeptus Sororitas, I think, is what they're called. Yes, I just found their... 40k wiki link yeah um yeah i have a bunch of those from back in the day too um, they're probably gonna get kill team rules really soon there's a really cool looking model coming out soon or i don't know if it's soon but they're showing pictures of it um based on uh let me whoops I was going to send you the artwork and then I clicked on something. And I don't know what the hell's going on. Oh, no. Well, while Can't you're doing that. Um, aside from this kill team stuff, which is looking fun. And uh, the nice thing is I've I've had my brush with it being a rabbit hole. And then I, I stepped away from the rabbit hole because I was like, I want to paint my Tyranids first. And I don't feel like I need to have loads of terrain right now i do want to get one of the environments but i very specifically want the shipping yard i don't want any other ones and the shipping yard sold mm-hmm. out right now so i'm I'm good right now oh i didn't know oh, they're doing a figure based on this piece of artwork yeah with a really elaborate tall base that has like rose buds and oh i think i is this it i think i might have found the picture of the mini ah. that they're doing if it um, loads, everything's loading very slow for me. The internet hates me. the The thing about this is that I I really like oh, I really God like the idea damn. of painting miniatures, but now it's getting me back into the idea of painting miniatures as a thing I can just do. So now I'm, I've been looking at this other game. But before I get into that, Seth, I heard you were you found some other picture. Well, yeah, but it's taking a while to load. So go ahead and talk, and I'll drop it in the chat when I get to it. All right. So I got to drop you a link in the <laughs> chat, because I think you might be interested in this thing. Uh, I haven't tried it. I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to pick it up anytime soon, but it's available at a local store now, which gets rid of the, the one thing that was keeping me away from it, was you had to order it from the UK. Apparently, it's very fun, and apparently it's a lot like Blood Bowl, but it's 
it's Blood Bowl, but more to my interests. Also, I see this photo, and that model looks sick. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a cool base. But Seth, so you you remember Blood Bowl, right? Like it's like Warhammer Fantasy, I but football. I do remember Bullet Bowl. So what if you took the concept of Blood Bowl, and All then you, right. and then you allowed it to not just be in a fantasy? It's still fantasy creatures, but say you can have modern accoutrement if it fits the character ideas. Uh huh. And then it's wrestling. No. Oh, well. All right. So there's this game called Rumble Slam that is, I saw it at, at a local game store. So I went to read up on it online and apparently it plays really fun. And I, and I loved Blood Bowl for playing really fun, even though I didn't really care about American football all that much. And this thing is like, like if you click on that link, the poster child figure is this dwarf Randy Savage called Ronnie Salvage. <laughs> And, like, if you scroll down to, through some of the named character figures, like, they are just very shamelessly going, like, we remembered a thing and made a wrestler figure for it. Uh, like, some of this stuff is hit or miss, but, like, the scale on the miniatures is also, like, like larger than 40K. So, like, they're apparently very nice miniatures to paint. I don't know. I'm starting to get, I'm, I've been eyeballing this game now because apparently it's really fun to play, too. And oh, it's this even... uh, snake lady from the Twisted Shadows is jacked. Oh, yeah, the Gorgon lady with the friggin' yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the Gravedigger is literally the Undertaker. Um, if you paint him as the Undertaker, he is just the Undertaker. It's Mark Calloway. Oh, man. I kind of just want to get this Orc Sumo wrestler looking guy. Oh, Orkishi? And then make an orc monk in D and D, and use that for my miniature, just Did to you... troll everybody else in the game. <laughs> Did you see Gun as well? Friggin' orc Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it's straight up orc Hulk Hogan. Uh, and also, like you know, reminding me of a story I've been told about tabletop gaming. If you, There's a team called the Runic Thunder, where their big team member is just a robot. It's called a golem, but it's just straight up a, a magic robot. Uh-huh. Um, this is, I don't know. This game is like, if it plays really well, it seems like it could be a fun thing, but I want to paint my Tyranids first. That's kind of the thing I'm, I'm, I'm falling back to all the time, but I figured, Seth, you might get a kick out of this Rumble Slam thing. And if any listeners yeah, out there have, have actually played it, it, I would like more. to know. Um, there's actually a tag yeah, like, I don't team know I wanna... if I would want to get it to play it, but if I could like use some of these minis, like I like them. Like this, check out their version of the LOD, or yeah, it's LOD, it's Road Warriors. <laughs> and also, one of the other tag teams is, hang on, where is it? The Knob Goblins. Uh, the Knob Goblins are just Luke and Butch from the Bushwhackers, but oh, as goblins. No. That's pretty great. Or like, here, check this out. This is another one. This is super shameless, but I love it. The Dragon Brawlers. <laughs> Guess who they are? It's Wukong and Shorts. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, son of a gun. I keep thinking I'm clicking this little X to make the picture go away, and I'm closing Discord over and over again. Oh. Oh uh, boy! Oh boy! I gotta show that Vegeta-looking dude to my girlfriend. Yeah, Wu Kong. I just like that the guy who looks like Trunks is called Shorts. Like it's it's yeah. there's some real like there's a character called Toothpick who's just Splinter from the Ninja Turtles. 
Uh, and then they like made a rival for him. Where's the rival guy? Uh, the rival is like one of it's it's not Splinter, but it's one of his it's one of his students who's clearly a Ninja Turtle, but it's an evil Ninja Turtle called Botticelli. Uh, where <laughs> is it? I was looking on the Facebook group for this thing, and someone like painted this Ninja Turtle guy to look like King Koopa, and it completely worked. Um. Anyway, this is a ridiculous looking game, but it, apparently it's fun. So I want to I want to look into it some more. Um. I I did remember something else that I got, and I'm trying to oh. find a picture for you. Um. So if you want to keep talking, I, it's going to take me a second. No worries. Because the internet is not loading anything quickly. I can hear uh, in your audio that the internet is probably not loading anything quickly. It's strangling your packets. Uh, Other characters from Rumble Slam that are amusing. There's a goblin called Gaba who is just Yoda, but a goblin. Um... (laughs) There's also a character called Tartan, who's just Roddy Piper, but a halfling. But otherwise, he's just Roddy Piper. Uh, Some of them are very shameless, and I kind of appreciate that. Well, that should be, if it's wrestling stuff. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting closer. Okay, so... There's also a character... It took me a second, and then I looked at him, and and basically, it's a character called Fable... And it's basically what's his name? It's it's Angel, but as a wrestler, it's called Fable, and it's just David. What's his name? David Boreas, and like that's oh. the whole gag. Is it just David Boreas? This is what he looks like to me. Um, but yeah, they uh, apparently they have an expansion that has just come out, which is like putting in like hardcore rules and like. The miniatures it comes with are just objects to throw at each other, and one of them is Ronnie Salvage's car, which looks like the <laughs> Mach 5 from Speed Racer. Uh, are and, there fluorescent light bulb tubes? Oh, I only looked at Ronnie Salvage's car and the trash cans and the vending machine. I'm not sure if there are fluorescent it's tubes. Not a hardcore match without some fluorescent they, tubes. They said later this year they want to release a pack of referees and introduce rules for pinning because right now the game just runs like a Royal Rumble where it's like throw people out of the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this? Okay, so uh, there was a Kickstarter for a set of miniatures for the season one or campaign one and campaign two um a critical role characters oh i hear about this a lot on twitter so that is so those miniatures are being done by a company called steamforge games uh steamforge games does a dark souls game oh i know that game that i've been told that is a very good game but it's very expensive yeah, and they do a game called Guild Ball. I've and when heard you brought that's... up Blood Bowl, that reminded me, oh yeah. Yeah. So I had been wanting to get a hold of something from Steve Forge Games ahead of um because I put in for that Kickstarter, but it's not gonna be for a while. And I would just I just kinda wanted to see how their miniatures are. Mm-hmm. Um so I was looking at man, I spent days and days just looking at every guild ball set um trying to decide okay which one could i potentially use the miniatures for in D D, 
but also look cool and something that I actually want to paint. Um, and none of them were like the perfect set. <laughs> like, like all of them would be like, man, I really like three of these miniatures, but two of them look super, super dumb. Um, that's sort of the case with this set, except for like the, the lead guy, the Piper. So it's the, uh, rat catcher guild, mm-hmm. uh, set. Um, the Piper guy has like one leg up in a super, um, Jethro tall flute playing pose with a rat on his knee and his flute has like knives on either end. (laughs) So it's like this crazy ass, like glavy weapon death flute. That's great. Yeah. And then I was just like, man, if I ever play a bard in D and D, like I could totally use this mentor and he'll just be like this creepy dude and like play it off like this creepy Pied Piper kind of bard instead of like the regular kind of like more stereotypical, like I'm a happy go lucky bard and I have my loot and I'm singing a tune, but buddy like play him as like a dangerous, dark dude. Like I think it would be cool. Um, so this set looked fun. Um, lots of rats lots of gross looking nurgly stuff (laughs) yeah um so i got that set i haven't opened the box yet it's in a big window box so i've looked at the minis which are cast in black plastic so it's really hard to see (laughs) the details um but i got that nice yeah it's so tempting to want to just buy minis that look good but i'm like I really want to avoid going too deep on that without having stuff painted or in the midst of being painted. Yeah, I'm building a backlog quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's so they did a another figure for the Piper in a different pose, so you could get a, you get a better look at his flute in that picture there. Yeah, it looks more like he's about to actually kill somebody with his flute. Yeah. But like he he's got like one leg up like Jethro Tall. Yeah. Like, come on. They they didn't do that by accident. <laughs> no, they know what they're doing. You gotta I'm assuming you probably have to pin him on that base. <laughs> Otherwise he might fall over while you're trying to glue him. Uh but no, that's cool. Uh anyway, we've been talking a lot about miniature stuff, and I think that that is a great way to lead into saying thanks for listening, everybody, because this is probably the close of the episode. Uh, so thank you Seth for joining me okay and, thanks uh, thanks to your internet for even though it was glitching out a lot not just cutting you off before the end that was polite <laughs> um, and uh, anyway we'll be back uh, with some more WTFTFW and uh, if it is up it might not be up yet but it's, it's edited by now probably when you're listening to this it just depends if it's up or not uh me and aaron uh interviewed uh drew Malosko, who is the um lead fella on the transformers tcg collectible card game that wizards of the coast is doing and it was a good talk so uh if you haven't checked that out yet and you're interested please do check it out uh it is more tabletop gaming sneaking into this podcast but you know lots of other things are snuck into this podcast so it's just it's one more um and uh, please check that out if you are interested. Uh, otherwise, we will talk to you later on. Just please stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
get me, but you got some badass perpetrators now here to stay.